And before I begin my sermon, I do just want to let you guys know whether you believe me or not, those of us who are on stage, we're not perfect. We, we will have our mistakes and listen, technical difficulties will happen. So all I ask is that you give us a little bit of grace, all right? We work all week to try to prepare for Sunday and sometimes things just happen. Um, if you come here seeking perfection or a perfect show, Oh, I'm going to start a whole other sermon that I'm not meant to preach today. But if you come here looking for a show, you're coming here for the wrong reason. Actually, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> this is not my sermon at all. This is me just telling you. If you come here for a show, you're coming here for the wrong reason. All right. What we, the, the point of, of pastors, what we intend to do is we come here to try to create an environment for you to experience God. Um, that's what this is. This isn't about the stage. It's not about the perfect quality or the perfect song or the perfect sermon. It's about a family, God's family, coming together in order to worship God and to experience him together and to learn together. That's what church is. So if you come here expecting perfection, we try our best. But there are going to be Sundays where maybe the sound doesn't hit or the sermon doesn't hit or whatever. But the, the hope is that you leave here knowing that God's still in control and that you're, you're recharged to go out and tackle the world. Okay, that's why, that's why we're here. Um, so with that little caveat, go to Matthew chapter 4 with me. Matthew chapter 4. And today we are going to be continuing our series. We started this series last week talking about God building our character, building us up into people of godly character who will no longer sit on the sidelines, lean to your neighbor, your spouse, or your child, or your parents that you ain't going to sit on the sidelines no more. All right. Lean to your other neighbor and say, I'm not sitting on the sidelines. Listen. We have not been called to sit on the sidelines and just watch things happen. We have been called to become people who are strong disciples in Christ, willing through the power of the Holy Spirit to make a kingdom impact. And so last week we started this by talking about Peter. And Peter is, like I said last week, though I, I try to identify with other people, unfortunately I identify most with Peter because he's the guy, he's the guy that puts his foot in his mouth a lot, right? He, he's, he's, he's that guy in, the, in, in Scripture. But God was able to take Peter, and he was able to put him into a greater purpose than Peter's self. And he was able to use Peter to fulfill that purpose. And Peter had to be willing, remember? He had to be willing and obedient to allow God to develop him into a godly character. And so at the end of the sermon last week, I left you with this very simple question. Am I willing and obedient? That was the question, that was your challenge, was to go home and to ask yourself that question. Because we can come here on Sunday mornings and just sit and go through the motions if you want, or you can come on Wednesday nights and enjoy some fun food. On Wednesday nights we've been doing different themed food, and you can come to those things. But to become a true disciple of Christ, to, to develop a true godly character, I have to give God my all. And allow him to transform me, holding nothing back from him. And that takes some willpower to say, God, here I am. Use me. Because it's not going to just happen. The Wesleyan Church, we, we believe in free will. And so God isn't going to bend your arm backwards and say, no, you're going to transform. You're going you're to turn. No. He's standing there knocking, saying, I'm here, but it's your choice. And so I hope that all of you have had the chance to ponder that question and to really think about God transforming us. And we have to understand he's ready to use us, 
But neither of these things can happen unless I'm willing and obedient. And so I hope that you, you've had the opportunity to really think about that question, to really ponder on it. Am I willing and obedient? Am I, am I actually willing and obedient to do this? But speaking of the military, I, I, I served for six years, and I got to talk to a lot of different people, and I had the opportunity to meet a, a special forces soldier that had the same job as I had. And he said, the thing is, more people are capable of doing what we do they're just not willing to put the work in. And I really thought about that. I was like, man, like, we, we see these righteous Christians. We see these amazing people that, that if we look at them, like, that's a prayer warrior. I mean, that person's really making an impact for God. But the question is, am I willing to do the work that they've done to get there, to allow God to transform their life? And as you've pondered that, I truly hope that the answer to that question is an emphatic yes. Because when we embark on this journey of holiness, allowing God to transform us, we will see a change in us that would never have happened without God's intervention. This is bigger than you and I. This is greater than you and I. It's, it's not necessarily about us. Now, 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 I know that kind of sounds offensive, right? Well, pastor, you're talking about me developing into a godly character. Well, you're right. We will be transformed and God will use us, but this isn't necessarily about you and I. It's about glorifying God and joining in on his mission, which is the great commission, which is going and making disciples of all nations. It's about restoring humanity. It's greater than you and I. It's about us glorifying him and loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, this character development, this pursuit of holiness, becoming more like Christ is greater than ourselves. It's about God and us, the church, joining in on his mission to bring humanity back to him. That's what this is about. It's about me being transformed into Christ's likeness and joining in on the mission to restore humanity and bring the truth of the gospel to all people, though I am going to be significantly impacted because it's greater than myself, church. That's what this is about. We should all want to be a part of something that's greater than ourselves, right? Does everybody want to be a part of that? I truly hope so. Let's, let's put it in this perspective, shall we? Imagine... Now, this is, this is an illustration. Tell your neighbors, this is an illustration. Okay. So imagine, if you will, with me, I stood here this morning and I said, I have a million dollars for each of you. Again, this is an illustration, right? We're using our, we're using our imagination. I, don't have a, I, wish, I wish I had a million dollars to give each of you. I don't. <laughs> but imagine if I stood here and I said, hey, guess what? When you walk out that door, I'm going to be standing there with a signed check with your name on it with a million dollars. All you have to do is say, yes, I accept it and take it freely. How many of you are going to deny me if I stood in that back four years, you walked out the door with a million dollar check with you? Better yet, better yet, let's make it even better with cash, right? Because checks can bounce sometimes. So maybe, so maybe some of you be like, no, nah, I don't trust the preacher's bank account. So maybe this, what if I had cash in hand, million dollars for each of you? that just said, yes, I'm willing to take it. How many of you, show of hands, would take that million dollars? Every hand in this, yeah, every hand should be up. All of us can find something to use a million dollars with. Now, what if I said this? You get to a million dollars, but I'm gonna sweeten the deal a little bit. Check this out, I'm gonna sweeten the deal. I said, you get a million dollars, and 
every person that you tell about this, if they accept it, they get a million dollars too. How many of us are going to go home, shut our doors and say, no, I'm not telling nobody. Or how many of us are going to go home, get on Facebook and say, I got some news for you. How many of us are going to go home and call mama? Call our brothers, call our friends, call our coworkers, and say, check this out. The preacher said if you just go and accept his offer, he's going to give you more. All you have to do is accept it freely. How many of us are going to go tell other people? Right, yeah. We're going to tell some people, right? Because we all know people that could use a million dollars, right? Check this out, church. Our souls, our eternity, it's worth more than much, much more than a million dollars. You see, we're, we're willing to accept the million dollars and we're willing to go tell people about the million dollars. But our souls and our eternity is so much more than that, church. Yet, when was the last time I told someone about it? When was the last time I, I shared the saving grace of Jesus Christ with somebody? Because we all know someone that needs the saving grace of Jesus Christ, right? Every one of us knows somebody. Yet that same person may need a million dollars. I'm going to call them and tell them about the million dollars, but yet I'm going to keep eternity from them. Ouch, right? You see, church, like I said, this whole character development, it's bigger than ourselves. This isn't about you and I. This is about glorifying God, and in the meantime, in the meantime, going out and making disciples of all nations. Check this out. Here's the thing. I understand that witnessing can be scary, right? How many of you would say, yeah, Pastor, witnessing is terrifying. I'll raise my hand. Witnessing can be scary at times. It is. It's a hard thing. The enemy has made it very hard on us. He doesn't want us to do it. That's why he's made us so scary. But check this out. You're not going to do it alone. That's the importance of this character development. God will transform you. God will guide you. God will direct you. And God will coach you on reaching the lost, just like he did with Peter. You see, God develops and transformed Peter for a purpose that was greater than himself. That's what this is, church. This godly development is not about you and I sitting here, man, look how godly I am. It's about transforming us into something that's greater than ourselves for a purpose and a mission that is greater than ourselves. That's what this is about. And so when we look at the life of Peter, God wants to develop us just like he did for Peter. And so let's see how he did it, okay? Go with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Verses 18 through 20. And listen to what he says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake. Well, they were fishermen. Verse 19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. May God bless the reading of his word. Jesus said, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There's the call, right? So let, let, me, let me bring this all into perspective for us. Can I do that? Because right, right, we have the whole big picture, right? God wants to make us part of his mission, right? There's this, there's this overarching mission for the church, which is go and make disciples of all nations. And when we focus on that, go to all nations, I mean, it's overwhelming, right? And then we think, well, what kind of part do I have in that, pastor? What, what can I do? What? Well, let me explain what you can do. You ready for this? The first thing's this. I want you guys to know this. God wants you, okay? This, this sermon is not about hurting anybody or, or offending anyone, saying you're not being good witnesses. No. It's about encouraging and letting you know how you can do this. 
And first things first is I want you to know, I want you to really be encouraged. God wants to use you. Tell your neighbor you've been talking to this whole sermon and say, God wants to use you. And so here's what God's going to do, just like he did with Peter. Check this out. God is going to call us from where we are. He's going to call you from right where you are. When When we look at the whole big picture, it's overwhelming. It's actually terrifying, right? It, it, it is, it is, because when we think about saving everyone, we just look at the state of the world and we think, man, that, that is horrifying. But God is calling you for something that is greater than yourself, and that is intimidating. It can be scary. It could potentially make us not want to do it at all because, well, we don't feel ready, right? Well, preacher, I'm not ready for that. That's a, something greater than myself. Well, I'm not, I'm not, ah, I can't do that, pastor. I'm not ready. Well, here's the thing. You're probably not. That's hopeful, right? <laughs> you're, pro- you're probably not ready. But that's just it. That's just it. God is calling you from where you are, even if you're not ready. That's the point. God is calling you so that he can work in your life to prepare you, to make you ready. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making sense this morning, church? All right. I just want to make sure. Because you know, we, we, we may not be ready. Peter wasn't ready. He was just an average fisherman. But Jesus said, no, come and follow me. He calls us from where we are. We just have to, we're going back to last week's sermon for just a second. You ready? We just have to be willing to start. We have to be willing. No matter where we are right now, we have to be willing to say, yes, I will go with you. Yes, I will follow you because no matter where we are in life, God is calling you from where you are. I I, I read this one time and I absolutely love it. I I, I quote it all the time. It says this, Satan knows your name yet calls you by your sin. God knows your sin yet calls you by your name. Church, check this out. It doesn't matter where you are in life right now. You are a child of God. He's looking at you. He sees you, and he says, I want you back. I want you to be a part of this. I don't want you to be living in sin anymore. I don't want you sitting on the sidelines anymore. I don't want you just going through the motions. God is saying, I want to use you. Just let me transform you. Let me work in your life. Peter was just a common fisherman, guys, going about his business, trying to make a living. He wasn't ready. But God said, I'm going to use you anyway. He called Peter from where he was. He was just on the lake casting nets, just trying to make a living, right? Trying to be a fisherman. Going about his business. He wasn't an educated priest. He wasn't a Pharisee. He wasn't a prince. He wasn't nobility. He wasn't rich. He was just going about his business on the lake, casting the eggs because he was a fisherman. But Jesus, our God, called him from where he was. He said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Church, check this out. We've got to stop making excuses. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I'm not, th- I'm not good at this. I'm not good at That doesn't matter What matters is God sees you where you are, and he's calling you from where you are. Are you living in sin? Guess what? God's calling you. He's saying, accept my salvation. I'm offering to you freely. It's free to you. All you got to do is accept it. Are you living in sin? Well, pastor, I can't do nothing because I'm living in sin. Then get saved because God's calling you. Well, God doesn't call me. Yes, he, why do you think he came and died, church? 
That was the call for all sinners to come and accept his saving grace. That's why he faced death. That's why he conquered the grave so we could be saved. Well, pastor, I'm just, I'm just a new Christian. I don't really have much to offer. Check this out. Yes, you do. You know what it means to be saved, right? You know what it means to come out of the, out of the muck of mire, right? You know what it means to accept that saving grace. Go out and start testifying about it. Start because, seek someone out who can disciple you, right? Well, I'm not ready. I'm just a new Christian. That's fine. Go find a mentor who can help get you ready. Did you know God uses other Christians? We're not meant, this whole, this Western Christianity, I, we're so individualistic. We've been called to be each other's, each other's people. We're called to be a family that works together. Did you guys know that's what the church is meant to be? I guarantee you that if those of you who are here listening in would call anyone in this sanctuary and say, I need a mentor, I need someone who can really disciple me, everyone in here, am I wrong here, would say, yes, I can help you. So if you're a new Christian, God is calling you from where you are. Seek out, become a disciple. Mature in your Christianity. Don't just sit at this new freshness. Grow in it. Well, pastor, I'm just, a, I'm just an old seasoned Christian. God can't call me, right? <laughs> Guess what, church? He doesn't just call sinners and new Christians. He calls us seasoned Christians too. Did you know that? You know what he's calling us to be? He's calling us to be disciple makers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many of us seasoned Christians are actually mentoring a young Christian right now? How many of us seasoned Christians are, are volunteering to really help grow ministries? How many of us seasoned Christians are stepping up and saying, you know what, I, I'm going to lead that Bible study. I'm going to mentor that young person. I'm going to go out there. God is calling us from where we are. Stop with the excuses. The excuses are over. It doesn't matter where you are in your Christianity. God is saying, I'm calling you. I'm standing here. I'm ready to do a work in you. All you have to do, church, I'm going to keep saying it, is we have to be willing. Because God is calling us from where we are. He wants you, church. It doesn't matter where you are or where we start. God is calling you and he wants to use you. Why? Let me give you some hope here. You ready for this? Because God sees our potential. He sees our potential, church. I look around this room, I see people who are full of potential, who are doing amazing things for God. And I see people who can do even greater things than what they're already doing. And guess what? You may not see it in yourself, and, and, and others may not see it, but God sees it. God looks down at you, and he says, that's my child. That is, that is my beloved. So much so that he was willing to send his son to die for you. Right, we, 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 we quote it, for God so loved the world. How about we, this might be heresy to do this, but I'm going to change it up just a minute. Put your name in there. For God so loved me. He sees your potential, church. God's calling you from where you are because he sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. He knows what you have and he knows what he can turn you into and the impact, the kingdom impact that you can make through the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be amazing. Go back to the life of Peter. Let me paint this picture to really drive this point home. Peter was just a fisherman, but Jesus saw potential where he was. You see, Peter, meant, Peter he was a good fisherman. And those waters, they, they had, fishermen in those days, they had to have a few qualities about themselves in order to be a, a true fisherman, in order to really make a living at it, right? Because I'm a fisherman, so I, so I say, but I'm never going to make no money at it. That's why my wife says, no, you still got to have a job. And I say, yes, ma'am, all right? Because she knows if I was going to try to make a living being a fisherman, 
we're going to eat my fishing license. <laughs> and that, that stew isn't very good, <laughs> all right? So, so to, in order, especially back then, to, to be a true fisherman, to make a living out of it, check this out. They had to have a few things. First, they had to have courage. They couldn't just sit on the shoreline and throw a couple reels out and say, oh, no, no. They had to have courage to get out onto those waters. And those waters were treacherous at times. I mean, you read through the story. Paul was shipwrecked. Uh, Jesus Christ had to, remember, they woke him up to go calm the storm. They were facing storms. So th those fishermen, they had to have some courage. Then they had to have perseverance. Fishing is hard. One of the most uh, uh, avid fishermen, you know, they'll even tell you, you got to persevere. you got to push through. you got to be able to push through the slow times, especially if you're going to make a living at it, right? So I get to go fishing and say, post on Facebook a selfie because, well, I don't get to post many pictures of fish, so I just go out there and take selfies, Glenn, right? I just say, uh, hey, look, I'm out here. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't catch a lot of fish, so I don't get to post fish pictures. But in order to be a good fisherman to make a living at it, what do you have to do? You have to persevere. You have to say, I'm having a slow day, but I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep on trying. Well, then they also had to have patience. How many of you are fishermen in here? A couple of you. You have to have patience, don't you guys? Yeah. How many of you have sat there like I did, banging your head off your fishing pole? Why am I not catching anything? Right? You have to have patience. Sometimes the fish just ain't biting. And they had to move around. And then they also had to have flexibility. They had to use different fishing methods to get the job done. Actually, if you go, if you go and read about the fishing methods they use, it's really interesting, the way they, they cast the nets and the different nets they use. So they had to have flexibility. And so why is the preacher telling you about these fishing things? Because God saw potential in Peter, and these characteristics that Peter had in fishing could be transformed into being able to go and complete the mission that Jesus had for Peter's life. Check this out. Courage. You had to have courage, right? Especially back then. Did you guys know that the original church did not grow in the United States where they had freedom and they were comfortable and they'd come here and sit in air conditioning? Uh-uh. The original church grew out of severe persecution. They were facing the Roman Empire, which were killing them by the thousands. Did you guys know that? The original church didn't have what we have right here, which is come here, you know, how a preacher quit talking, I got Memorial Day barbecue to go prepare for. Uh, no. The original church, they actually had to put some effort into it. And they had to have courage because they knew if they were caught, they could die. They had to have courage. And Jesus knew Peter had to have courage. If, if, if Jesus was going to turn Peter into one of the founding fathers of the church, Peter had to have some courage behind it. And then perseverance. Now, like I said before, my, before I started my sermon, sometimes ministry is hard. It is. You know, we, we try our best not to show that, right? Pastors aren't supposed to talk about it. Pastors, we're just supposed to smile and say, everything's fine, guys. And then we get to the board meeting. <laughs> yeah. A couple of y'all chuckling about that one. And then we get to the board meeting. Or then something doesn't happen, right? Or we have a technical difficulty. Listen, you got to be able to persevere through the hard times. We can't just call it quits every time, we get, every time it get hard. We got to have perseverance in ministry. And, and Jesus knew that. And he knew that Peter had the quality to persevere. He had to have, you had to have patience. Reaching the lost, if you've ever actually intentionally done it, it gets frustrating. And it, sometimes it takes years. You have to have patience. Growing ministries takes time. Discipling takes time. I mean, look at Jesus and his disciples. He spent over three years with them. Discipling people takes time. You can't meet once and say, oh, you're a disciple now. Great. No, it takes time. So you have to have patience. You have to have flexibility in ministry. 
For instance, technical difficulties. Sometimes we just got to talk louder, right? Or, or sometimes, you know, we're sitting in my office writing my sermon. Someone calls me, hey, there's an emergency. You got to have flexibility in ministry, right? You have to have flexibility if you're going to be a Christian, right? You might be sitting at work and on your lunch break, you're sitting there eating your sandwich. Someone calls you, hey, I need, I need prayer right now. Are you flexible enough to sit your sandwich down and talk to them? You have to have flexibility. Look at the life of Peter. You see, Peter was called to go talk to the disciples, and to, or not the disciples, the Gentiles. He was called to minister to the Gentiles. Peter was a Jew. And so he had to have flexibility on how he was going to reach them. It was going to be totally different than how he was going to reach the Jews. So he had to have courage and perseverance and patience and flexibility, all of which he learned through fishing. Isn't that crazy? And God saw that. He saw the things in Peter and those qualities could be transformed and multiplied for the use of discipling. And the same is true in our lives, church. The same is true in your life. God sees you where you are. He calls you from where you are. And he looks into your life and he says, I see qualities about you that no one else may see. But I see them. And I'm going to use them to be, turn you into a disciple who's going to go out and make a kingdom impact. That's the God that we serve. And then he sees potentials that we, have, we don't have yet, right? So those are things that Peter already has. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look over uh, different qualities and attributes that Peter developed over time. And Jesus spent time with Peter, really training him. And then after Peter received the Holy Spirit, he was really ready to go out. Things that Peter would never be able to do without the power of God. And the same is true in your life. When you accept this, when you're willing and obedient to accept God into your life and accept this journey of holiness to become a person of godly character, there are going to be things that you're going to be able to accomplish. There are things that you're going to be able to see that you're going to sit back and think there's no way that that actually just happened. And you're going to sit there and say, yeah, it actually did because it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that was able to work through you to make that happen. He sees your potential, church. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to create in you a spirit that otherwise without him would never be possible. And so how is this possible? What role do I have in all this? Well, church, check this out. God calls you from where you are. He, he sees where you are and he says, that's okay. Because I see your potential. But the thing that we must do in church, this is a big one. This is only sermon two of this series, but we must surrender our will to his. We can't just go about all willy-nilly and live how we want and expect to turn into the disciples that he's called us to be. We have to surrender our will to his. Go back to verse 20 with me. At once they left their nets and followed him. They left everything they knew in order to go follow Jesus. Their families, their hometown, their livelihood, their security. Right, we all like to have a fallback plan. They left it all. And they said, I'm going to go follow him. Because he's calling me from where I am. So he must see my potential. Well, he's calling me from being a dirty old fisherman. Because he sees something in me. Well, Peter and his brother said, yeah, I'm going to surrender my will to his. And you see, they didn't just follow Jesus on the weekends or on Sunday. They didn't follow Jesus just during the week and then on the weekends go back to the way things were. They didn't follow Jesus and just occasionally go back to the old life. No. They completely surrendered their wills. And they gave their lives to him. And because of that, God was able to transform them 
and to the disciples that they became. Church, hear me when I, when I say this. If we want to develop a godly character, if we want to pursue the life of holiness, if we want to become more and more like Christ, then we cannot be partially in. This can't be a casual thing that we do. We can't live halfway for Jesus. What we have to do is surrender our wills to God and we have to give him control. And I was reading this week and I came upon this and it said, Bruce Larson tells how he helps people struggling to surrender their lives to Christ. He said, for many years I worked in New York City and counseled at my office any number of people who were wrestling with this yes or no decision. Often I would suggest they walk with me from my office down to the RCA building on Fifth Avenue. In the entrance of that building is a gigantic statue of Atlas, a beautifully proportioned man who with all his muscles was straining. He's holding the world upon his shoulders. There he is, the most powerfully built man in the world, and he can barely stand under the burden. Now, that's one way to live, he says. I would point out to my companion trying to carry the world on your shoulders now come across the street with me, he said. On the other side of Fifth Avenue is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there behind the high altar is a little shrine of the boy Jesus, perhaps eight or nine years old. And with no effort, he's holding the world in one hand. And he says, my point was illustrated graphically. And then this is what he wrote. He said, we have a choice. We can be like Atlas and carry the world on our shoulders. Or we can say this. Lord, I surrender it to you. Here's my life. I give you my world, the whole world. And so now as the worship team comes back up to lead us again, I end with this, and I leave you all with this. Church, God is calling you from where you are. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to say the right things. You don't have to achieve something first. You don't have to do the right things. Listen to me. He's calling you right where you are, right here, right now. Why? Well, because he sees your potential. God knows your value. Whether you see it or not, he sees how much you're worth. And he's there. The invitation is extended. He says, follow me. But church, the choice is ours. Just like it was Peter's choice, the choice is ours. Are we ready to surrender our wills to his, to give our whole world to God, holding nothing back, and so that he can take us, transform us, and mold us into the disciples that he's called us to be? Church, he's calling you because he sees potential in you. But now, the choice is ours. Will I surrender my will to his? Stand to your feet with us again. All right, we're going to go back to the beginning for Glorious Day again.
church. Listen, I hope all of you have a beautiful day tomorrow. God bless you guys. I love you, and thank you for worshiping with us today. Go and serve the Lord now.